Rise and shine, baseball fans! It's time once again for a fresh dose of Major League Baseball analysis with the newest community in the game. Bringing together fans from all around the world from their broadcast headquarters in beautiful Southern California. It's Kenny. If you're not watching Shohei Otani, the man is just doing special things on the baseball field. Like I said, almost looking non-human at times. It's Nika. Is Aaron Judge, number 99, going to be able to drag the Yankees to the playoffs? This is the Kanika Baseball Podcast. And we are back with another postseason edition of the Kanika Baseball Podcast. I am your host, Kenny, and I am joined once again, as always, by my lovely co-host, my beautiful wife, Nika. Good morning, Nika. Good morning, Kenny. How's it going over there? It's good. The sun is shining brightly this Sunday morning here in Southern California. And we are moving right along through the League Championship Series here. And we should know who's going to be in the World Series in the next 48 hours or so, I would say. It will be decided then. It, it, it all depends, I guess. Well, let's say 48 to 72 hours. Okay. We'll know for sure by Wednesday morning when we wake up who will be playing in the World Series. But right now, if I was a betting man, I would be putting my money on Philadelphia and Houston to rematch. Oh. Unattractive as that is to me as a baseball fan, and no offense to the two teams, I love seeing when different teams make it. So it would be nice to see Rangers and Phillies match. I don't see Arizona making it at all. They feel overmatched by the Phillies. Well, yeah, we'll get to them in a minute, but they definitely made it a series, which I'm appreciative yes. as a baseball fan. But yeah, with the series now heading back to Philadelphia and, and them having that 3-2 advantage now going home, they're unbeatable at home. That, yeah. I mean, they're 28-11 and 11 lifetime at that ballpark in the postseason, and with this particular group of guys, I'm not totally sure, but they just seem like the last two years, it's been like their 10th man on the field. This crowd, this atmosphere that they've been able to create, the bell. And they sing a love song over there. If, if the Atlanta Braves and the Los Angeles Dodgers are built for the regular season, this Phillies team is built for the postseason. And and we'll talk about that yeah. a little bit later uh, when we get to our infamous uh, milestones. Right. But we're going to turn things back over to Texas, uh, where things are getting very, very hot right now. Well, it was Adolis Garcia coming up with a huge home run in game five and giving Texas a four to two lead. I believe it was in the sixth inning or so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was getting it was late. later. Lander was still in though. Yeah. He gave them the four two lead and he celebrated with his fans and with his dugout as he hit that ball and walked around the bases. I think he clocked in at over 30 seconds to get around the bases. Is so. that is that a long or is that a yeah, short? Yeah, that, that's, that's pretty long. That's pretty that's, long? That's the third longest of his career. So he took his time. He took his time. And I think the Astros look like they may have taken exception to that. So 
he came up again in the eighth, and it's still four to two, and he got hit, and and it looked intentional. It, it hit him pretty square in the shoulder area. It was not the head area. Yeah, it was a shoulder. It was a shoulder area. It was ruled. Well, Garcia got upset, and he turned right away to Maldonado, the and, catcher. Yeah. For those that don't know, there's some history here. Marcus Simeon on the Rangers hit a home run. This was in the regular season. I don't remember when, what game or what date this was, but I do remember that Marcus Simeon hit a a home run. And when he came home, the Houston catcher, Martin Maldonado, had some words for him and had taken exception to his celebration. So here we have, flash forward to game five in the sixth inning, we have Garcia hitting a home run and having a pretty, you know, big celebration. There was a a bat toss or flip or whatever you want to call it in there somewhere, but a lot of like slow trip around the bases. He, He definitely wasn't humble about it. He was igniting his fans. And I feel like baseball has welcomed this sort of back into the in the game or, or they want this in the game a little bit because they think fans like it and it excites them. They were playing for the home crowd. Absolutely. It's and part of the game, you know, <laughs> playing on the road is tough. And that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why. But again, here we have, it seems like Martin Maldonado took exception to this. Well, we don't know, but when Garcia got plunked, he immediately did not turn his anger towards the pitcher, oh. turned his anger towards the catcher. Yeah. And I thought that was very telling that he thought that the catcher called for this mm. or or that the catcher was involved because it bothers him that these guys taunt and celebrate like this. So basically it might be something in the clubhouse known already that the catcher is the instigator more. Well, like I said, this, this because he had strong words for Marcus Semien earlier in the season when something similar happened with, with regards to home run celebration tactics, I guess, if you want to call him that, it, it just seems like there was that history like they talk, you know, obviously. Garcia immediately looked to the catcher. So there was no hesitation. on it. Like, he didn't, like, think about it. it. Like, he immediately turned to the catcher. So there's something known there between them. Yeah. What are you looking at over there? Oh, I'm just trying to see because he was not mentioned in a, a suspension or the fine. So, yeah, we haven't really gotten there yet. I know. Okay. So now, when once Garcia got plunked, he turned and, and got angry with Maldonado. But a, an incident occurred. There was no punches thrown, but the dugouts cleared and there was some standing. Just people screaming at each other. Yeah, there, there was maybe some shoving or, mm-hmm. or some... Four players, I believe, were fined. Lance McCullers was one of them on Houston. Abreu, the pitcher. Jose Abreu. Oh, I'm sorry. No, Brian Abreu. Brian Abreu. Baker. Dusty Baker. We'll get into that in a second. So... So okay. there's four on that team and two on Texas Rangers. So we had a little scuffle on the field, but the big news was Brian Abreu getting ejected from the game. And it was learned afterwards that all six umpires on the field, because there's two extras in the postseason like this, felt that it was intentional uh, when they saw it play out. No, Houston's we- argument was that how why would it be intentional? Why would we put another guy on base when we're trying to win a playoff game? You know, that's a fair they're point. down four to two in the eighth inning. It's not like a blowout or anything like that. Uh, so he's asking pretty simple, fair question. And did the umpires blow this one? I Again, there's so much history and the whole Maldonado, Marcus Semien event. Do the umpires know this stuff? Are they trying to diffuse the situation before it gets going? I, I don't know where their headspace was at. But either way, they ejected him. Mm-hmm. Dusty Baker came out and argued. He was very upset for these reasons that we just explained. Why would they do this and put another base runner on in a tight game in the League Championship Series when they're trying to go to the World Series? The series is tied. The winner of this game 
will have a huge advantage. Yeah. So he's arguing, he gets tossed, and he's not happy. But this this took a long time to sort out, by the way, because mm-hmm. he didn't want to leave the dugout. He felt he was in the right, and and it screwed up his bullpen potentially because Abreu, as a result of this, is now suspended for two games, and this would happen theoretically now. However, before tonight's game, he is most likely going to appeal, and he will be available then for tonight's game. And I've been reading up on this because I don't know how this works in the playoffs nowadays, but there was a lot of confusion over his appealing process and whether that would carry over into next year's regular season, but apparently not. Apparently, there's going to be some kind of ruling made on his appeal within 48 hours of him appealing. And and what that means is he might not be available for game seven tomorrow if it's necessary or one of the first two games of the World Series if they make it through. So if Houston clinches tonight in game six and he's available and then the league rules tomorrow or Tuesday that he is still suspended, then he would miss, you know, the one or two games of the World Series. That's interesting because I really thought they're going to have this suspension till next season. Yeah, I kind of thought so too, but we'll see. I, I guess it's, it's probably not going to be an issue unless they rule before tomorrow tomorrow's game and they make him miss the final game and and if Dusty needs him in the bulk basically if he appeals he's probably going to be available tonight I, w- I would probably use him as much as I needed tonight. Because normally the appeal process takes a few days. Normally, but I'm just saying they have this rule now for the yeah, postseason that it not- needs to be done within 48 mm-hmm. hours. They got the suspension handed out pretty quick. They two did. Games, and, and two games is a tough spot in this situation because, again, you're arguing that, like, why would we do this in this situation? It was an accident. But I'm just I- surprised that the catcher didn't get any punishment. Right. It, it, that's the interesting part in all this mm-hmm. is, like, what, what role did he he really have who's really calling the pitches back there dusty baker as you know a player's manager i i I don't know what type of system they run with the pitching coach and the catcher and everything anyways things are getting hot in texas and we have game six tonight and i also want to point out it's been the road team winning every game of this series so far through the first five on the road again just can't wait to get on the road again I love is making music with my friends and I can't wait to get on the road again so I guess that means that money's got to be on the Rangers, right? Yeah, I would go for that. <laughs> well, I'm rooting for the Rangers tonight only because I really want to see a game seven tomorrow. So now that the Astros have this 3-2 lead, we are back in Houston and it is Nathan Eovaldi versus Valdez. So again, Valdez has struggled for the Astros, but Eovaldi has been lights out for the Rangers. Don't mess with Texas. And so if that continues, we should be looking at maybe a potential game seven tomorrow. That would be great. So I'm excited for it, but we got to get there first. Uh, So let's see how tonight's action unfolds. Uh, It should be a good one. Mm -hmm. But I do want to say, because we're we're most likely not going to be back until Tuesday. So this could all be wrapped up tonight. But I do want to say that I hope there's a Game 7 because I don't know what the pitching matchup looks like yet. But if it goes according to schedule, we would be looking at Christian Javier again for the Astros and Mad Max Scherzer for the Rangers. You don't want to make Max mad because when Max gets mad, he gets even. Mad Max, 
the maximum force of the future. So I got to believe that the powers that be in Major League Baseball and all the talking heads, the boobs on TV and stuff, they're probably rooting for this to go seven games just to see what happens. That is where we stand in the American League this morning. It is time to turn our attention to the National League, and the Diamondbacks are on the brink of elimination. Hanging on by a very thin thread. <laughs> and I dig that about you. They are down three to two with this series going back to Philly. But I really want to say thank you first and foremost to the Diamondbacks because they were down 2-0 and getting slapped around a lot. And they came back and had two come from behind wins at home to tie this series and make it a series and make last night's game a lot more interesting, that's for sure. So yeah. You know what the game reminds me of? The Diamondbacks and Phillies? Diamondbacks are the boys and Phillies are the men. That's what it looks like on the field. Yeah, they it does. To grow but, up but I would bit. put a little caveat next sure. to that that says uh, the kids can play. Oh, they definitely can play. I'm <laughs> just going to be very curious what happens next year because they're going to have this experience. They're being older. Well, there's an interesting uh, note about that in our milestone segment that I want to get to. All right. We'll talk about uh, there's a team that the Diamondbacks share some history with. And I wonder if it forebodes similar tellings of their future. A little tease there for our baseball audience. Cool. Okay, well, this series is going back to Philadelphia, and the Phillies at home are just lights out. They have been killing it over and over and over again. Uh, their lifetime playoff record at home is 28-11 and 11 now. At this ballpark, at least. They have turned this place into a weapon against mm -hmm. the enemy. Like I said, it's like their 10th man on the field so the diamondbacks have their work cut out for them they have to win two games in a row at this place and i just really don't see that happening at this point i can be wrong there will be some tears the young guys yeah the i young think guys there shouldn't be there's no crying in baseball and they have accomplished a lot as a young team yeah packed with a bunch of rookies and they've really i think captured the hearts and minds of their fans you know i saw a cute picture after one of the games i think it was game three there was a, a, a fan at the stadium that had just a white piece of paper with like a basic font on it that said like snakes alive. It was like two words on top of each other on a plain white piece of paper. And it, this this image alone captured the hearts and minds of people because the next night in the stadium, this was on every seat in the stadium before the ballpark opened. Oh, cool. So there was a taped white piece of paper with this printed on it the same way on every single seat in the stadium and i saw a picture of it before they opened it looked really cool you know? i bet imagine a person that had to go and tape that i think there was probably multiple people involved in a <laughs> job like that when you're talking about forty-seven thousand plus seats yeah. yeah i think there was probably you at know, least at least a team of people i would i would guess uh maybe even like a hundred people vendors or hey let's get everyone together and do this really quick and like each take a section and probably knock it out in like 10 minutes how long did the printing go for that's a better question that was an overnight <laughs> job you know it <laughs> yep. where are we gonna get ink right this hour and the paper there's a commercial in there for like 24-hour fedex express or something yeah anyways if the diamondbacks want any hope of winning this series i think it rests upon the poor rookie shoulders of one corbin carroll and the reason i say that is because corbin carroll is like the spark plug for the Diamondbacks, in my opinion. He's very much like a Jose Altuve type figure that the Astros have. You can see the whole Astros season kind of turned around in late May when Altuve came back from that hand injury. They, they had their spark plug back. So Corbin Carroll, to me, is sort of taking on that role for the Diamondbacks as a young man, a 23-year-old. 
So I have a couple things to say about that. But so far in this series, he is just two for 19. And the big things that stand out are that he is he is zeros in his like key stats. He has no extra base hits, so no doubles, no triples, no home runs in those two hits. He has zero RBIs. He has not driven in a run in this series. He has not stolen a base in this series. That's something that is like, you know, he had over 50 stolen bases in the regular season. This is what got Arizona to the playoffs. But more importantly, speaking to that spark plug thing, he has no runs scored yeah. for his team. I think if the Diamondbacks want any hope at all of winning one or two of these games, they need to see a little bit of the Corbin Carroll that got them here. And and that's not to put pressure on him. Like I actually like want to point out a couple things. Corbin Carroll re-injured a, a shoulder that he had surgery on earlier this season, and he kind of bounced right back from that. I, I was nervous for him at that time, so I, I got a give him props for just bouncing right back and coming but not missing a beat really but the other thing I want to say is for him and for a lot of these young guys this is like they're now playing deep into a season like 160 now 170 games plus as a team and you just don't know how much wear and tear they have their muscle memory is not adjusted to something like this so I, I saw Alec Thomas was an interesting by contrast I wanted to bring up because he pinch hit the other night and I don't know if he's been playing every game or not in the series I haven't really been keeping track of that but it made me wonder if Lavolo giving him some time off made him more fresh because he hit a home run again and now two games in a row that might have something to do with it sure just, just something to look at but look I also wanted to point out that I was kind of disappointed with Zach Allen last night Master Kenobi you disappoint me you have failed me for the last time Admiral you're a fucking disappointment. If you expect disappointment, then you can never really get disappointed. Without disappointment, you can't appreciate victory. <laughs> um, a- another it's the shoes. Yeah, where's the white lightnings, dude? And it's not to pick on him or anything, uh, but he kind of wet the bed in his first start against the Phillies in Philadelphia. He gave up the home runs to Schwarber and Bryce Harper, I believe, in the first inning, and he got snuck attacked by them again last night, but. In the, I think, third inning? Yeah, it was the third. And they they both went deep on him again in the third inning last night. So when you're giving up multiple home runs in an inning to the same two guys in a series, yeah, it's not going your way. And I just would have liked to have seen him bounce back at home after that rough start in Philly. And things went fine for him early, but, you know, it's it's a long game. It's a long game, and I feel like Phillies are a more experienced team in the postseason versus Arizona. And Zach Gallant does not have that experience. Yep. Well, we're going to talk about Zach Wheeler, too. And this kind of plays into what I said earlier, where if the Braves and the Dodgers are built for the regular season, the Phillies are built for the postseason, and and their starting pitching has delivered for them. You know, And once again, it's Zach Wheeler and Austin Nola getting it done. Both of these guys are nowhere near the NL Cy Young conversation. So it's not like they're, like, doing what they're doing in the regular season. But... Maybe you need to save some in the tank for the playoffs, or maybe just the Phillies team and their leadership elevates everyone's play, including the pitchers. So, But they are all elevated right now, including Kyle Schwarber, who is hitting now, I believe, over 400 in the playoffs after he did not hit 200 in the regular season. But yeah, so we have that getting back up and running tomorrow. 
So we have two games back on the schedule tomorrow on Monday, and it's going to be Diamondbacks Phillies at 2 o'clock, and it's going to be Rangers and Astros at 8 o'clock. Those are on Eastern time, so that's going to be 2 o'clock in the afternoon Pacific and 5 p.m. Pacific. And that's a game if needed. That is a game if needed. Absolutely. All right. Well, it's time to turn it over to our popular segment of Milestones. Get ready for greats. By far, my greatest achievement. We stand here amidst my achievement. That record's going to hold for a while, let me tell you. You idiot! I Just don't touch my records. Ever. Yes, that's right. We have to celebrate some of the best in baseball, and this is getting tough to do, I gotta be honest, but I think we have a good formula set up for today. Let's see how it goes here. But we're gonna get started in the ALCS, and we gotta start with Alex Bregman. Alex Bregman, got he hit a home run in, it was game five, and he is now tied with Carlos Correa for the most home runs in the postseason before turning the age of 30, and that is 18. So congratulations to Alex Bregman of the Astros, but we need to talk about another Astro even more, and that's Jose Altuve. Even the smallest person can change the course of the future. Jose Altuve hit the three-run go-ahead home run in the top of the ninth inning on the road. It was the third go-ahead home run in the ninth inning or later in Jose Altuve's career. You want to talk about, like, you could put Mr. Clutch on your resume. Wow. That's the most all-time in the playoffs. So that's definitely worth celebrating. Speaking of the most, he now also, Jose Altuve I'm talking about, has the most home runs in American League Championship Series history with 11 in his career. Think about that for one second. There's been League Championship Series as far back as like I can remember the for the pennant you know and I just think this is fascinating that it's this this guy the short guy the the little the man, smallest person in the league is the one that owns this record that, that's great yeah it's fantastic you got to tip your cap to L2 no matter what you think about him or the Astros cheating scandal or whatever dude yeah. shows up in in clutch situations he does and I think because of his size he sees the ball a little different. Your point of view is a little different. Yeah, this is something that I would love to talk to a major league umpire or somebody with knowledge of like how MLB interprets the strike zone because they all flash this little square up there. Like this is the definitive strike zone. And yet when I was taught as an umpire was that the strike zone was from the bottom of the letters on the uniform. They call it like, so basically like the lower chest area and, and to the top of the knees, not the bottoms of the knees, the tops of the knees, and then obviously the width of the plate. But to me, the strike zone changed from hitter to hitter, depending on like how tall they were. Now this like box that they put up there and it's like, okay, if you put Altuve up and you put Jordan up next to each other, one's left-handed, one's right-handed, but the strike zone's different on those two guys, in my opinion. I would so imagine. I, I, I would love to hear an umpire talk about this, but to your point, yeah, maybe he is seeing the ball at a different angle. Yeah, it's a different point of view. I mean, he doesn't lead the league in home runs or anything like during the regular season. So, But when he needs to hit, he steps up 
And that's one thing you notice about Altuve. He does yeah. step up in the clutch situations. Well, just one more quick note about that home okay. run, that go-ahead home run. That was the ninth go-ahead home run in the ninth inning or later in postseason history while trailing. So when your team was down, but I thought that was really interesting. There's The, the two most recent times it's happened, though, was 2022 with Jordan Alvarez in game one. I think that was Astros Mariners last year, if I'm remembering correctly. And then 2005, you have to go back to the NLCS Game 5. It was Albert Pujols against these same Houston Astros The when the Astros were in the National League. Hilarious. Okay, so that's all we got for Jose L2. But let's move on to the ALCS in general. This ALCS, as we mentioned, has shown all the road teams winning through the first five games. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. That's the fourth best of seven series in postseason history where the road team has won each of the first five games. That last happened all in the World Series, believe it or not. 2019 World Series, all seven games were won by road team. But then you have to go back to 1996 World Series. And then before that, it was the 1906 World Series. Wow, that's been a while. Yeah, it is pretty interesting what's happening in this ALCS when you look at the whole entire history of baseball. So cool, cool little nugget there. Okay, we have to shed a tear and, and mark the end of a streak, actually, that was ongoing. And that is Trey Turner's stolen base streak. Trey Turner's stolen bases streak is now over. He was caught stealing the other night in game four in one of the early innings. I think it might have even been the first, but poor Trey Turner, little Trey Turner got caught stealing. Oh, that's a shame. Yes, well, that is a shame. Yes, a, a shame. Oh, that's too bad. What a shame. Yeah, it is. It's a damn shame. A damn shame. And that was the first time in 40 attempts, I'm sorry, 41 attempts, he had previously had 40 in a row, but we still want to acknowledge this because that 40 is third best all time regular season and postseason. So this streak has been going on for a long time and he is third best. Only two players did it better. Ichiro Suzuki with 45 and Vince Coleman with 50 and Jimmy Rollins, former Philly, is tied with Trey Turner with 40. So he's in good company. All right. Well, we got to turn our attentions to one Kyle Schwarber. Yes, that's right. Kyle Schwarber is making history this postseason. And on Friday, he hit his 19th career postseason home run. And he passed Reggie Jackson, Mr. October himself, as having the most home runs by a left-handed hitter in baseball history in the playoffs. Wow. Well, congratulations, Kyle. Yeah, I was I was surprised that he was like knocking on the door of this list. You know, the only thing I want to say in sort of defense of the older players is that there's just a lot more playoff games nowadays. Kyle Schwarber has had a lot more knocks at the plate than Reggie Jackson probably ever got in the playoffs in his entire career. So I think these numbers are a little bit skewed and should be looked at under a, a microscope when you talk about comparing like who did it best all time. You got to look at the number of at bats and you got to take a deeper look at the numbers just to see who really did it better. It's, it's not always about who has the most when it's about who did it maybe the most with the fewest cracks at the apple. They had different playoffs format back in the day. Nevertheless, Kyle Schwarber, you are the left-handed postseason home run king with 19. And oh, by the way, that was his 
fourth career postseason home run that had an exit velocity of over 114 miles an hour. He is now tied with one Giancarlo Stanton for the most such postseason home runs under the stat cast tracker since 2015. So he, he not only hits him deep, he hits him hard. That speaks of power. But on Friday night in that game, we also saw Alec Thomas come up and hit a big pinch hit home run. And that was the fourth youngest player in postseason history to have a pinch hit home run in the playoffs. Only older than Gavin Lux, who did it in 2019, Oscar Tavares, who did it in 2014 at 22 years old, and Yogi Berra. What you gonna do about it, Yogi? That's right. What what do they call those little sayings of his? It's when the man of many sayings. He did it at 22 years, 143 days. Gavin Lux, by the way, did it at 21 years old. So Something with the road and the fork? No, he, he has a bunch of sayings oh. like that. But he said uh, his most popular one that I remember best is, uh, I came to a fork in the road, so I took it. Well, that was the one I was referencing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was helping you out. Thanks. Okay, well, Friday night, by the way, was the first day in postseason history where multiple teams won when they were trailing by multiple runs in the eighth inning or later. So we had Houston, of course, down 4-2 to two to start the ninth inning when they came back and won on Altuve's home run. And the Diamondbacks and Phillies, it was the eighth inning where Arizona came back and was able to take a 6-5 to five lead and hold on to win it. They got to Kimbrell twice, by the way, in this series. I, I wonder what the Phillies were doing putting Kimbrell in early early in both of these if he's the closer then like why aren't you putting I, I really don't know what's going on in their bullpen sometimes nevertheless I think they'll be fine wrapping up this series and uh, we'll see what happens you know I I saw Michael Lorenzen on their staff I'm surprised we haven't seen him a lot and it just makes me like wonder if he's going to pitch again in the in the postseason because the more days that go by without pitching how are you going to expect him to just go back in when he hasn't pitched in now like 10 days yeah, it's a weird one. Yeah. All right. Well, that's cool, though, that both teams came back like that on the same day. So, um, yeah, keep it up. Let's see both of these series go seven games, potentially. I don't think it's happening in Philly. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, we got to turn our attentions to last night again, and it was once again Kyle Schwarber. Home run number 20 now in the postseason. It was 461 feet. That was the fifth longest postseason home run under StatCast. And oh, by the way, Kyle Schwarber owns two of the top five longest home runs in postseason history, at least since they started tracking these things. So he hits bombs. We know Kyle hits bombs. He now has five career postseason home runs with an exit velocity, blah, blah, blah. I just said this one, and I kind of duplicated it by accident. But basically, take the four and make it a five, because last night's was also hit very hard seems like kyle found himself in the postseason again he did you know he's really become like a, a big you know like i said built for the postseason versus built for the regular season this was also his 20th postseason home run as i mentioned it took him 63 games to get there that's the fewest games to 20 in postseason history and he passed altuve altuve was the previous leader he had 20 home runs in 68 postseason games so Kyle does it in 63, and we'll see if he can keep it going for the Phillies. It looks like the Phillies are going to have some more cracks at the apple this season. Uh, it looks like they're going to go on, but we'll see. Okay, you know who else went deep last night? It was Bryce Harper, and that was his fifth home run of this postseason. You're as cold as ice. He 
he also stole home in yesterday's game. That was an interesting play at the plate, mm-hmm. but that all started on the good old first and third play. If you're in Little League, you would know this play a lot, but uh, you don't see it a lot in the Major League game. However, Philly, with runners on first and third, and Bryce Harper being the runner on third, they decide to run the old stolen base, and the throw goes down to second, and as soon as it does, Bryce breaks for the plate. The shortstop correctly cut the throw off and, and had a play at the plate, but he short-hopped it into, what's the catcher's name, Gabriel Moreno. And Bryce Harper and him and the ball all got to like the same spot at the same time. And it led to this big collision and Moreno looked out for a second. Bryce Harper was checking on him after he touched the plate. I noticed he touched the plate first. I'm going to score and then I'm going to check on you. So nevertheless, Zach Allen had to go and get the ball because Moreno was knocked out. The Phillies were kind of playing good sportsmanship here. I feel like they just kind of like stopped once Bryce scored with all the action on the field. It was a big collision. It was a big collision. Like Uh, two cars colliding. But as I said earlier, he and Schwarber homered in that same third inning later. So Bryce Harper became the second player in postseason history to have a steal of home and a home run in the same game. And the only other player that did it was in 2021, and it was one Randy Arena for the Tampa Bay Rays, who did it in the American League Division Series of Game 1 back in 2021. So a little bit of history there for Bryce Harper. And oh, by the way, that was his 11th straight postseason game with a home run in which his team won. So Again, we've talked about this on this podcast a lot, but Bryce Harper, if he homers, the Phillies are the fourth team to have two 440-foot home runs in a postseason game since 2015. Might not be that impressive, but I do want to point out that they are only the second team to do it in the same inning. Oh, that's more impressive. Yeah, so very cool. Um, Now... I do want to say one more thing about this because this was Bryce Harper's fifth home run and Kyle Schwarber's fifth home run of the postseason. And the Phillies are now the third team in postseason history to have three players hit five or more home runs in a single postseason. Guess what? They did it last year. It was Bryce Harper, Kyle Schwarber, and Reese Hoskins last year. Reese Hoskins, of course, had a bad injury this year and he hasn't been on the team, hence why Bryce Harper is playing first base. And it was also the Astros in 2017 with El Tube and then a couple of uh, former Astros, Carlos Correa and George Springer. So some pretty cool history going around for the Phillies and their stars. Definitely. All right. Moving right along, JT Realmuto also hit a two-run homer in this game in the, I believe, eighth inning. Yes, it was the eighth inning. And that snapped a streak, I thought this was fascinating, of 16 consecutive solo home runs for the Phillies. So the Phillies' previous 16 home runs, even though they've been hitting the snot out of the ball this series and have all these home runs, all been solo home runs. Realmuto's first home run last night in the eighth was a two-run homer, and that broke this streak. That was their first multi home run multi-run homer in 16 it's like wow I, I, I found that really surprising considering the alarming rate that they've been hitting home runs in this postseason wow they just have a lot of good hitters absolutely well the Phillies also played their 11th game of the postseason last night and they now have 23 home runs in this post in this postseason so that'll give you some indication of like where those 16 solo shots came from So they hit six, and then they hit 16 solo shots, and then they hit one. So that adds up to 23 in my math. Now, this is the most home runs in the first 11 games of a single postseason, except for the 2004 Astros. And I'm reminded by a lot of folks on Twitter that that was one Carlos Beltran was one of the men mainly responsible for that as he was scorching hot during this time period in 2004. 
And he's no longer with the Astros. Well, of course not. Okay. Well, we got to turn ourselves to some Phillies pitching because the Phillies pitching has been equally outstanding, especially one Zach Wheeler. He is up to 33 strikeouts this postseason. That is the most in a four outing span in Phillies postseason history. So congratulations on that milestone, Zach. But we're not done with you, buddy. The most strikeouts in a four game span with Two or fewer walks in postseason history. This is a stat that's near and dear to my heart. You know how much I hate walks. Zach Wheeler now has 34 strikeouts in that. F- I'm sorry. Yeah, he got he got one more. So I, I lied in the previous stat. It's actually he finished with 34. But 34 strikeouts with two or fewer walks in a four-game span. That puts him on a, a very unique list with only four other players and oh by the way one of them's on there twice cliff lee he did it in 2010 and 2010 so he did it twice and then steven strasberg did it in 2019 and josh beckett did it in 2007 so some pretty good names on that list but we're not done with zach wheeler yet zach wheeler has a 0.73 whip in 10 career postseason starts that's that's a big sample size that's the lowest in any 10 start span in postseason history and it's his first 10 starts impressive most impressive next on this list by the way is one justin verlander who did it from 2013 to 2018 with a 0.76 so zach is 300ths of a point's lower and that makes him the best now this is also the lowest in postseason history for a career with a minimum of 50 innings pitched so when you talk about all the history of playoffs in the world zach wheeler this is what i wanted to talk about when i said built for the playoffs these guys are not in the Cy Young conversation but this is two playoffs now in a row where zach wheeler and we haven't talked about austin nola much but maybe we will after his next start but they they show up you know and they just they pitch in these big moments now they've been able to have the luxury of doing it uh at that Citizens Bank ballpark, but Zach Wheeler did this on the road, and the Phillies won handedly last night, six to one. So now that one run came, by the way, on a solo shot from once again Alec Thomas, and that made a little bit of Diamondbacks history in the seventh inning last night. And this is what I was talking about earlier, and we can have a little bit of a discussion about whether or not you you said how are the Diamondbacks going to do next year? So. The, the home run last night gave the Diamondbacks 11 home runs from players who are aged 23 years or younger in a single postseason. And do you have any idea which team that tied them with in history? No. Well, that tied them with the 2015 Chicago Cubs. And the reason I bring that up is because you said, what are the Diamondbacks going to do next year? Well, the Chicago Cubs of the following year, of course, went on to win the World Series. So, so if history repeats itself, yeah, we might see Diamondbacks. looking at a Diamondbacks team that is mm-hmm. going to the World Series next year. They might have to add a few pieces. And those Cubs stronger. teams added a few pieces in mm-hmm. 2016 as well. Um yeah. I'm sure. It will be very interesting to watch. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just thought that was an interesting nugget to point out. Are we going to have a repeat of history in that regard? So it's not all doom and gloom, Diamondbacks fans. No, I think this is their first little trial run, if you will, considering how young and inexperienced in the postseason that team is. Yeah, absolutely. So keep your eyes on it. No matter how this one shakes out, next year might be the year of the snake in the grass. 
Snakes in the grass, you'd better move fast. You'll be poisoned or be strangled to death. That's right, Dolly. All right, well, one of those snakes is Kittel Marte, and he got another hit last night. That gives him a 14-game hitting streak to start his postseason career, and that is the second-longest hit streak to start a postseason career behind only one Marquise Grissom, who did it in 15 straight games, and that was in 1995 and 96. So we will see in Game 6 if Kittel Marte is able to get a hit and keep that streak alive and tie the record. So good luck to you, Cattell Marte. And that's going to put an end to this milestone segment. Congratulations to all on their achievements. I'm getting long-winded on these milestone segments. You would think postseason will have less, but it feels you, like it you, has I, I thought it would, but it seems like they just make up reasons to add more. Yeah. Or, or there's just a freakish year, you know? Could be both. We'll see. I guess we'll see next year on the Kanika Baseball Podcast. But hey, thank you for sticking with us through this postseason run. And that's going to do it for this particular episode. But look, I, I think we have to be a little bit fluid this week. We're definitely going to come back on Tuesday. We got to talk about uh, what happens, whether there's game six or seven. By Tuesday morning, the ALCS will be over. So that's why I'm choosing Tuesday. Now, Tuesday, the NLCS might or might not be over. If it is not over, we will probably do a bonus episode Wednesday morning, really short to recap. And, and have our World Series set. And then we will have to see when game one of the World Series is, but I would assume we would do like a show then again Friday morning to preview maybe game one of the World Series on Friday night. That's my guess. I, I don't know if they're gonna save it for Saturday though and have both games be on Saturday and Sunday with a Monday off. I don't know what the plan is. Well, hopefully there's not a long period of no baseball. If it ends today, I hope they don't wait till next weekend to have games. No. No, they shouldn't. But look, we have Tuesday. Let's see here. I, I wonder if it's announced yet. So it is looking like it is decided for Friday night and Saturday and then off Sunday. So Friday's perfect. So we'll probably go back to Friday and Monday. We'll, we'll have a Friday morning show and then we'll have two games happen Friday and Saturday. And then we'll come back and we'll do a Monday show. So that works. Yeah. And then we will just be in the World Series. So exciting. It's getting down to it. All right, everybody. That's going to wrap it up. This is your host, Kenny, signing off. If you need to contact us, you can find us on social media by looking for Kanika Baseball, or you can send us an email at kanikadaily at gmail.com. If you really want to help us out, though, please leave us a review or just give us a like anywhere where we're featured on social media. We would really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Have a great, great Sunday, everybody. Hope you are spending some quality time with friends and family. Have a great one. Bye. Adios. Adios.